Welcome back to another edition of the Pegcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside Lehigh Valley Phantoms forward, Curtis Gabriel. Curtis, thank you again for coming on. No problem, buddy. I'm glad I uh, hit the right uh, day this time. I joined last time a couple weeks early, didn't I? I put it in my reminders a little early, so I'm glad to uh, be on here now. You know, a lot of people have turned on Netflix during this pandemic. Uh, what have you been doing during quarantine? Yeah, I, I try to leave the Netflix just to, if my girlfriend wants to watch or maybe just like a half hour before bed to shut my brain, my brain off, get off the phone. But uh, I've been using this time as wisely as I can, training a lot uh, for next season, whenever that may start, trying to use this long layoff to improve my game and keep going after my dream of playing in the NHL full time. But uh, other than that, I've been educating myself on activism, on these social issues that I'm trying to advocate for and um, want to uh, kind of be ready when, when more of those kind of engagements come up for me. With hockey returning today as we speak, uh, have you been watching any sports that have returned? I have not. Uh, first thing I've tuned into was just before this to see the first period of the Flyers-Penguins. Uh, yeah, I've been trying to just kind of focus on myself during this time and I'm, I'm going to try not to watch too much hockey. I usually get sucked into watching a ton. I'm going to try to you know, maybe limit it to a little bit of day here and there. Uh, obviously, it's going to be really crazy in the first round, but um, yeah, no, just hockey. How has your whole perception on the coronavirus changed since March? Um, hmm. I don't think it's changed much, honestly. Uh, I'm one of the fortunate people, and I know that, that it hasn't affected me as much. Um, obviously, I'm not going to get paid to the next hockey season, but we get paid decently well as pro hockey players at the level I've played at. So I've just been trying to not worry about what I can't control, uh, but obviously it's been a it's been a tough time for some people I know. I have a new marketing guy who's from Brooklyn and the whole family got touched by it and they lost their uh, leader of the community. And basically in Brooklyn, if you didn't get coronavirus, you were an outlier. So that's pretty scary. So um, I kind of knew, I kind of expected it was going to be bad. So I don't know if it's changed too much, just that, uh, you know, it's just another example of bad stuff happens in life and you got to find a way to uh, change your perspective and mindset and try to make a positive out of it. Getting into your story bit here, who influenced you to start hockey? Uh, I always liked hockey, but I guess my, my dad, he played hockey a bit. Uh, my mom was more of a volleyball, basketball, uh, soccer goalie. He was more of a baseball, basketball guy, but I took to hockey. Uh, I think it's because it's just the biggest sport where I'm from, uh, just north of Toronto, New Market, Ontario. So I think that's why it's always had the pull for me. And obviously it being the greatest game in the world, we all know that. It's uh, such a tough, demanding sport and you have to have, be so good at so many different things. Uh, I think that's what drew it to me the most. Yeah, like some of the skills aren't even replic aren't you, you can't even replicate them with the other sports that we talk about. Yeah, you, not many sports you play with a stick, right? And um, you have to also be on skates and on ice, you know, surface we're not used to, and be able to. You have to be able to be, you know, sprint like a sprinter, but have endurance like a marathon runner. Like you got to have every kind of energy system, every kind of skill. Uh, it's a very particular sport, and I find that very interesting. You got drafted by Owen Sound all the way back in 2010. Uh, what did you learn in Owen Sound that you could use to your game today? I actually I walked on to Owen Sound as a free agent. I was a free agent walk on there. Um, so I was <clears throat> shocked to get on that team to begin with. But uh, what got me there was just playing physical and showing how hard and how bad I wanted it. Uh, doing well in the fitness testing, preparing myself for that camp. I think that's, that's really what got me the, through the door more than anything. And obviously the willingness to play a physical game. You did make the playoffs three times with Owen Sound. How special were those playoff moments as a junior player? Yeah, that's that's where you make your money as a hockey player, right? That's I don't think if I 
had a good playoffs that year. I would have got drafted by Minnesota my third year, but uh, it was great being in the playoffs those years. Owen Town's a perennial kind of contender for a small market team and probably the toughest division, uh, toughest conference and sorry, toughest division in CHL. Um, so I thought it was great. And I haven't played much playoff hockey since then. So I'm really looking back to those times finally. You know, getting drafted to the NHL is no joke. You have to be on the grind, on the ball since day one. Uh, you were fortunate enough to be selected in the third round of the 2013 NHL draft. When did you realize you had a legit shot of making the NHL? Uh, probably when my, uh, probably when my GM told me and my mom at Christmas of my third year that I was going to get drafted. I didn't even know I was still eligible as a third year eligible player. So I was shocked, uh, shocked to, to get drafted. I mean, so I guess halfway through that third year, no, it sounds when I kind of knew, okay, maybe I'll have a, a decent chance of playing if I continue to work like this and continue to improve. So is that when that second gear set in for you is when you found out that you could get drafted? Yeah, I wouldn't say a second gear it was more of just like I was already going hard as heck in first gear, but uh, I was ready to, I mean, I was giving it all I had. It just kind of gave me some more affirmation behind what I was doing that uh, I didn't just believe it anymore. Other people believed in me that I could be more than I was at the time. They could see the potential. You've been through the ringer of the system. You know, you've been called up and sent down many times between the Iowa Wild and the Minnesota Wild. How does that affect your mindset? Yeah, it was tough sometimes. Uh, you know, most of the time it was fine because you don't, I didn't think I was ready some of those times going up there, but other times when you feel like you did a good job or you felt like you were ready. Yeah, it was super tough. Uh, I wasn't ready to handle that properly back then, to be honest with you. I thought I was. And um, now kind of being 27 years old and three years removed from being there, it's kind of obvious that uh, I didn't handle those things probably the right way, but I, my intention was always in the right place. I was a super emotional guy and, and wanted it really bad. And, um, didn't really understand that life's not fair yet. Uh, I'd kind of had it up and down to get there and finally realized now that uh, maybe I wasn't ready, but you still have that burr in your saddle. You're still a proud athlete. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely something very tough to deal with, but you know, some guys are just more emotionally ready at that age, you know? Do you play every AHL game like it's your last since you have been called up before? I mean, I think I try to play every game with the best to the best of my ability. Um, there's a long season. Sometimes you're gassed going into games, but the intention is to always go play your hardest and play your best. I'm not really a guy that has an opportunity to take games off, uh, being a fourth-line type of player, a uh, physical type of player. So I'm constantly trying to improve my skills to prove that I belong here and can, can contribute in a fourth-line role. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to go in there and play every game like my last. You played your first NHL game, I believe it was in the playoffs with the Minnesota Wild in the 2015-16 season. Do you remember how nervous you were? Uh, I played my first game uh, in the reg that regular season. Uh, I wasn't super nervous. I was, uh, I would say, just extremely energized. I just had a had a feeling like, hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's about time I get my first game. I feel good about it. Uh, let's just go use this adrenaline rush I'm going to have. I'm sure I'm not going to run out of energy, so let's just go give her heck. And um, I think. You get more kind of maybe nervous the longer you're up there. You're trying to stick around, stick up there. You kind of adrenaline rush runs off, uh, you know, falls away. So you kind of got to go back to your to yourself and, and get yourself pumped. And it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's uh, adrenaline does a lot of things for you, and it can kind of go away that initial rush. You go, I got to stay here now. So that's what I haven't been able to do. I've had a couple of stints where I've been up, but I haven't been able to stick full time. You turned into a bit of a goon there, amassing a career high in PIMS during the uh, same season with 137. Were some of those just stepping up for your teammate? 
Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a goon, first of all. I don't think you should call guys that. I think that's uh, kind of a, like a derogatory term to our role. Uh, goon implies that you can't play the game at all, whereas I feel like to play in today's game with it so fast and um, it's so, you know, so, so skilled to, to have a job still playing a tough guy role, I think you got to realize that we can play a game. It's not like the guy in uh, that movie, Goon, that just slaps on skates who's a boxer and can't skate. So uh, I like to call myself, uh, if you're going to call me anything, maybe like a, a, a grinder. I like I like I mean I like grinder I mean it's, it fits it I'm a grinder that's willing to stick up for my teammates and play extremely physical so um yeah it's part of my game if I'm if I'm rolling and feeling good it's uh it's really easy to do sometimes it's a grind when uh as the name says it when your things aren't going well and you've got maybe beat up a couple times but you always got to show up for your teammates and show up for yourself so uh, I think it's a valued part of the game that will never go away I think there'll always be the opportunity to guys to play physical just got to keep up with the rest of the guys and I also think that physical players come like, you know, in clutch times when it comes to the playoffs, because, you know, the playoffs are such a different beast than the regular season. Yeah. Um, you know, South St. Louis, they didn't necessarily have like a super tough guy. Patty Maroon, you know, he thinks he's pretty tough. I guess he wrestles guys that are big. He's a big guy. So, um, but they had a lot of players that were willing to play physical. Sammy Blaze, uh, Oscar Sundquist even was hitting guys hard. Uh, you got to have that mentality as a big, heavy team. That's what's going to shut teams down. That's what's going to make them not willing to play anymore. I think a lot of teams want to play against highly skilled teams. Everybody wants to play a skilled game and lose. Nobody wants to play a tough team and lose. Would you be able to take me through your first NHL goal with the New Jersey Devils? <clears throat> my breath, uh, One of my good friends, Brett Cini, uh, he trains with me here in London, Ontario. He told me, Gaber, just be ready to shoot that puck. It was a face-off on the left side of the offensive zone. So I, I stood on the wall to get uh, on my strong side as a right-hand shot, and it came to me, and I uh, just let it rip, and I, I shot a little wide, but Anders Nielsen reached up to catch it, and it kind of trickled off his glove and went in the net. I didn't really see it go in. I just kind of saw everybody, you know, cheer, and it was a great feeling just to feel like, you know, nine games in there, I got my first goal. I hadn't been able to get a goal in Minnesota in my time there, so felt like, okay, something's different now. I feel feel like I can contribute again, and really my, my second goal felt like my first goal because it was on Carey Price. It was against your Montreal Canadiens. It was a game-winning goal. That was the goal that really gave me an opportunity to like see it go in. I knew it was going to happen. I got to celebrate. I got to jump into the glass, scream. That was the best feeling in my life, hands down. And would you say that it adds to the moment that you scored on a Hall of Fame goalie in Carey Price? Yeah, absolutely. But what adds to it more is that I had pride tape on my stick. And um, that's a big thing. I'm about uh, support for the LGBTQ2S plus community. Um, so I scored a goal for inclusion there. And a lot of people took notice of that. And ever since then, I've been wearing the tape on my stick. So. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was on Carey Price, but it was also huge for me just because it could, you know, help a lot of people out, make them feel included in the sport of hockey. Would you say that you were snake bin in the, uh, you know, chances before? Uh, I wouldn't say that. No, I think I need to be a little more, a bit more offensive minded. I'm so worried about not getting scored on. So worried about playing my role to a T that it kind of puts scoring to the wayside because it doesn't really define my game, but I definitely do need to generate some more chances. So, uh, yeah, I don't get a lot of shots. That's probably why I haven't stuck up there. I haven't been able to generate enough offensively. So that's what I'm looking forward to do more. So at the time, I hadn't had too many chances, to be honest. Do you think that just has to do deal with uh, self-confidence? Yeah, for sure. And just being so, you know, track one-track-minded that I'm a grinder guy, not here to get points, here to play the right way. But if you're playing the right way, you should be getting some chances here and there. So uh, just being ready to shoot the puck and uh, working on my game. And, yeah, it's going to bring more confidence. So I think it's a big part of it. 
you mentioned earlier when I asked you about Owen Sound about the playoffs that you you know you haven't really gotten the opportunity to play in them since. Uh, how disappointing is it you know not to get your chance to play in the playoffs? It's extremely. I mean, I played a couple four games in the playoffs in Minnesota, but other than that, I haven't been in six years in the American League. I haven't made the playoffs with the team, so that's extremely frustrating. Uh, I take it personally that I've been on you know six teams in a row that have made the playoffs. So. Not too happy about that. Um, if I do end up in the minors again, I uh, really, really want to be on a good team and, a, and a contributing on a good team. What can you do yourself to make sure you lead your team to the playoffs? Well, I'm definitely not going to lead my team to the playoffs. As a, as a grinder, that's not my job. Uh, I'm just there to, to play physical, play a role on the team. Uh, if I can do that role, uh, I don't necessarily even lead a line. I'm a complimentary type player, so I just uh, try to do my job. How big was the move from New Jersey to Philadelphia for you and your family? Uh, I don't have a family, so uh, I just moved down there by myself. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I lived in a hotel in Jersey. I never played for the Flyers. I actually played in the, in the Lehigh the whole time, so I was in Allentown. Did you move in with a teammate? I did not. Uh, I lived by myself. I like kind of doing my own thing. I would go, obviously, hang out with the guys all the time, though, but it's nice to have a place to get away from hockey if you want to. How did you find out the season was going to get canceled? Uh, we had it was, it was a Friday. I can't remember the date, but it was a Friday. We had a game that night, and I was pretty pumped to play. But then we just got a, a group message uh, after we were all at home after morning skate and just said, uh, don't bother coming in. There's no game tonight. Season's been put on hold. And uh, we kind of all just got together as a team and chatted about it and tried not to worry about it. Couldn't control it, right? So just hope our check everybody back home safe, make sure that, uh, you know, virus hasn't gotten anybody and then stay safe from there and not get overexposed because we are obviously pretty close to New York City which was the worst place. Next year there may no, be no fans in the stands how will that affect your play? Well if I'm in the minors I don't even know if there'll be an AHL season because uh, that's a fan kind of driven league there they need fans, uh, fans in the seats to make some money I guess so I don't know how that's going to play out um, hopefully I can get a chance in the NHL again if that's the case, uh, I, I wouldn't mind it at all. I think uh, just give me more room to make some scary noises and chirp other guys on the team and try to intimidate when I go hit guys. Maybe they'd be able to hear me a bit more. Maybe they'd be able to show a bit more personality. Maybe it'd be too much. I don't know, but uh, I think it'd be fun. I, I does it. Hockey's hockey's an in intense, crazy game when we're even playing in the summer against each other. We go at each other hard, so I don't think it'll be too much of a difference for me. How do you create a sense of normalcy for the players? I uh, I don't I don't know if you do. Uh, I think uh, just what they're doing right now with this return to play, you just it's basically going to be like you're playing in a tournament growing up, and you're at a rink with not many people in it, and uh, just going at each other. So I, I I think it's great. I think it goes back to the essence of the game. Of course, you want fans. Of course, fans are what pay our salaries and make the game great. But you got to look at the positives of, positives of it, and either either embrace it or you don't. You know, I want to get into your uh, your activism here for a bit. Uh, you were a you are a huge advocate for the Pride community, like you said. Uh, how did you get started on it, and where are you now? Uh, well, I got started using it for that game in uh, New Jersey when I scored against the Canadians, um, and from there, it kind of took on a life of its own. People really appreciated it, so I just figured, as long as I have the tape, why not put it on my stick if it's going to help so many people and from there, learning more about the community and educating myself, it's these are the nicest people in the world. Um, they're the most accepting, courageous people that, you know, not everybody lives their true self. Not everybody wakes up and is exactly who they want to be because they're scared about other people's opinions. 
they have parents that are telling them no and they still they agree with their parents like it takes a very brave person to break out of that and, and do their own thing so I'm very proud of those people I consider myself friends with all these people and I just want them to be treated equally I want uh, them to be judged by their character and their kindness and their empathy and their compassion and not who they love and how do you make sure that, you know, these people don't feel pressure in coming out to their parents? Because like you said, you know, multiple parents are, you know, leaning towards the side of like, no, I don't want my kid to feel this way. Uh, well, I mean, I think there's going to be pressure doing it regardless. I don't think you can lessen that. It just depends on what kind of parent you have. If you have a super hardcore religious family, it's going to be really tough and they might disown you. If you have a family that's super open-minded, it'll go totally different. I've seen both sides of it. One side's obviously a lot better than the other, but I just don't get how anyone, you know, even God, even people who believe in God, think that they have the right to tell someone who they love. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense to me. It's 2020. Uh, we have all the science there is now, and people don't want to hear that. But, I mean, if you're, you can keep your opinions to yourself if you think that's how it should be. I don't think you got to go spreading around and hurting people's, uh, you know, way of life. Uh, at the end of the day, people can say what they want, and uh, that's what makes the LGBTQ2S plus people so proud and courageous that they're going to keep living their lives anyway. Now, obviously, uh, Pride does have its own month. Uh, what do you do during the Pride Month? Uh, well, this year we had to celebrate virtually, so no Pride parades, none of that. So just try to be active on social media. Uh, post a celebratory, celebratory video on uh, the last weekend of Pride Month when the NHL celebrated it. Um, just trying to keep my DMs open when anybody wants to message me if they're having any thoughts or they want to share something, want someone to listen to. I'm a, it's judgment-free. I'm going to support you, if anything. And uh, stays private so I just try to help any way I can that way and we have some uh, great things coming in the future that will help change hockey culture and how big is it for you like you know with all these big leagues taking on their own responsibility to promote pride in their game yeah it's, it's something that you know the NHL wants to do in a third-party way they don't want to join other groups that are exist they want to handle everything their way and keep it with no politics I see where they're coming from but uh, I think the, the world is what it is sports is uh, not a vacuum part of society and if anything it's amplified part of society and people have platforms people are famous should uh, have no problem with guys speaking out and trying to include that and in, in making a difference now i just want to ask you uh before we end this interview here uh, what advice would you give to aspiring hockey players i think all the answers are on the internet now i think the advice would be to edu go on educate yourself just like you're some if you're you know I wasn't passionate about every subject in school, but the subjects I liked, I read up on them. I, I did extra work on them. I enjoyed them. So if you like hockey or you say you like hockey, you should get on the internet and become a bookworm of hockey and, and find the best skills coaches on the internet. Find the best tutorials of how to teach yourself the game. If your parents have money, get a skills coach. Start lifting weights at 15, 16 years old. There's endless amount of possibilities and opportunities. And now with green biscuits, you know, rollerblades, you can work on your game off the ice, Mars blades. So, I think there's no excuse you want to be a good hockey player. It's just uh, how far you want to, how hard you want to work and how big your imagination is. Well, I'd like to thank Lehigh Valley Phantoms for Curtis Gabriel for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you again, Curtis. No problem. Thanks, buddy.